So, uh, everyone doing well? Many of you have worn costumes. I said that to someone outside, and they said, I don't have a costume on. I thought, uh oh. So, uh, I'll have to remember who to say that to next time. I'll tell you what, why don't we do this? Why don't you take a minute right now? Why don't you find someone close to you or relatively in proximity? And why don't you talk to them about what is your favorite outfit you ever wore for Halloween? Okay, your favorite outfit you ever wore. I'll call us back here in just a minute. Go, 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 go. Okay, let me call us back. Oh, really? We're going to come back? Yeah, we're going to come back. Like right now? Yeah, pretty much right now. Okay, thank you. Thank you. It's all good. Sometimes like herding cats here, so it's, uh, it's good. Hey, we're wrapping up a series that we've been in tonight called At SC As It Isn't Heaven. And we've tried to look at, okay, what would it look like in our lives uh, personally and in our lives corporately if we actually begin to experience more of God's rule and reign in our lives right here, right now, where we are. And one of the things as we've looked at that, we've looked at, you know, that starts with a life that's surrendered to him. And it has, to his bigger plans that he has for your life. It also is encapsulated in the way that you pray. It's encapsulated in the way that you prioritize and how you really look for rest, how you seek to find rest, where you seek to find rest. And and, and so much more of the things we looked at. But as we wrap up tonight, one of the things that I wanted us to talk about is this pursuit of knowing God and this pursuit of really experiencing him and experience the life that he wants us to have. It, It doesn't come without opposition. In other words, you know, it's not like, you know, hey, just come to Jesus and it is just like a ride through Disneyland. Uh, The rest of the time, you know, it's like, no, no. There's going to be opposition along the way. And so that's what we want to begin to look at tonight. Because if you don't pay attention to that, what you'll find is there's a lot of things within the Christian life that will really catch you off guard. And there's a lot of things that you'll find, you'll kind of think, well, what's that happen? Where did that come from? But I want us to be aware of that. In 1 Peter 5.8, Peter says this to us. He says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Now, you kind of look right there and you kind of get a a hint of some things. I mean, you know, he's not looking for somebody to just give a good lick to, you know. I mean, he's looking for someone to devour. And if that were our only problem, we'd probably have our hands full. But what the scriptures say is, you know, we don't just have one enemy. We have a group of enemies, and we need to be aware of that. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight, the enemies of your soul, the enemies of your soul. So in case you're wondering where we're going, now you'll know. So scripture identifies three enemies for our soul that wage war against us all the time. It talks about the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. So we're going <clears> to <throat> look a little bit more in those. 
Paul, when he's talking to the Ephesians about this in Ephesians chapter 2, he says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. There you've seen now all three. The ways of the world, he's talking about the world. The ruler of the kingdom of the air, he's talking about the devil himself. Then he says, and then our flesh. And following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Now, this is where you were. This is where I was when he found us. We were like surrounded on all sides. You know, you look around, it's kind of like this little triangle that just keeps moving in, crushing you in. You know, you've got the world, the flesh, the devil, totally surrounded, totally, you know, without hope. But then God chooses to step in and deliver. But those enemies, they remain very active in our lives, even after we've come to know him. Now, we have a different thing, though. We actually have a chance now. Now, we have a chance because of a couple of reasons. One, we have a chance because he's told us some things we can do, some ways to deal with that, some weapons that we have. But there's also another reason. I want you to look at that passage right there. And I want you to tell me, what are the reasons? What is the big reason? Why, why are we better off now? What, what is it that we have going for us now that we didn't have? Hmm? Grace. grace? We have grace going for us. Christ. Hmm? Christ. It's great love for us. We're alive. You know, that makes a big difference. Have you noticed? <laughs> Dead people don't fight very well. You know, you don't have to do much battle. In fact, when you're dead, you know what uh, the, the whole thing is? Uh, you're dead. That's it. There's like, you know, end of story. Press on, you know, because you're dead. But he said, you know what? When you were dead, let that kind of settle. When you were dead, he made you alive. So he's delivered you from that. And now what you get is you get the opportunity to not regress and fall right back into it. In fact, if we're going to understand that, we need to understand some things about how do these three, how do, how do those work together and kind of why does it seem like we're surrounded on all sides? Let me kind of give you a quick synopsis of a couple of things. One, the world. The world equals all that is opposed to God, okay? It's people, it's systems, it's government, it's institutions. It can even be religion. It's everything that's opposed to God. And often what you find in the world is the world does this very subtly, I mean, it's very covert. You don't actually see them be, you know, just out in the open opposed to God. Because if they were, then we would notice that. It would be so obvious. We'd go, okay, you don't do that. You know, but what you find with the world is it's very subtle. So like what you look at the media, they'll have all sorts of things on television that are, as you look at them, you'll think, okay, 
Um, that's a story about God. Look at that. God friended me. <gasps> I'll bet this is a religious story. Uh, or you'll read and you'll think, isn't this great? The media is becoming sympathetic to God. This is wonderful. Then you begin to watch some of these and you find out mm, they're very sympathetic to the way they want to interpret God. And in fact, they have a message they want to get across. And they're going to redefine some things. And you're sitting there watching it going, this has to be a great show because it has God in the title. You know, and so it has to be good. And what you don't realize is just little by little, ever so subtly, they're beginning to impact you. The second one, the flesh. Now, there he's not talking about our bodies. He's not talking about you need to figure out a way to get rid of your body. He's saying, you know, but it's the natural human impulses, abilities, and desires that we tend to trust instead of really trusting God. One thing we have to get past if we're going to learn to really walk with God and experience the life he has for us is us. We've got to get past our own desires, past our own temptations. You know, now that's hard because we really do tend to trust ourselves. In fact, where, where do you ever hear something like this? Follow your what? Heart. Heart. Yeah. You've heard that, haven't you? I have too. Now, doesn't that just sound good? What do you need to do? Follow your heart. I guarantee you take an 18-year-old guy to the beach and say, follow your heart. You will be bailing him out of jail <laughs> short, shortly thereafter. You know, you, you know, you, no. I take them, I say, look, don't, whatever you do, do not follow your heart. Okay, don't do that. Why? See, those are the things we lean into. Those are the things we really trust. Those are the things we think, well, I, I really, I've lived with this my whole life. And I think, mm, that's your problem. You know, I mean, it's one of those things, what we understand is that wages war against us. The third thing, the devil, he is the leader of all that is opposed to God. And it's him. He is the one who's trying to get you to return and to relax in the real patterns of the world. So we, we tend to do one of two things with him. We either tend to underestimate him and really get overwhelmed by him, or we tend to overestimate him and just walk around in fear like, oh my gosh, we have so much to worry about. Neither one of those are healthy. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. How do you do that? So how do you know when you're looking at things, which one of those is attacking you? Like, is it the world? Is it the flesh? Is it the devil? And you may think, what does it matter? Well, it matters because, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you're camping and you say, which is attacking you? You know, a bear or a mosquito? You're going to deal with them a little differently. You know, I mean, you're probably not going to swat a bear you're probably not going to be firing at a mosquito. I mean, there's different things you do, you know. At least everyone around you is hoping you're not firing at a mosquito. You know, I mean, there's different things you do. And it's the same way here. They attack differently. And they not only attack differently, but the way that we respond to them and what we do is different. So let's kind of do this. And what I did was I've tried to put together a, a brief overview. And I'm going to give you this. Let me go ahead and give this to you now. Because that way, if you fall asleep or, you know, you have some, you know, you have to get up and go trick-or-treating in the middle of this. You'll still know basically where we're heading. See, Nadja, she's going trick-or-treating right there. So, uh, so she's not. She's actually passing things out. There's going to be a little uh, thing right here. They're going to pass out some uh, things to you so you can have this. But let me go ahead and tell you what this is. The world, the world to start with, the world, it attacks with subtle pressure. Subtle pressure. And what you find is the way you deal with that is by renewing and rehearsing. Renewing and rehearsing. We'll talk more about that in a minute. The flesh, the flesh tends to attack with selfish lust. 
And what you'll find is there, there'll be all of these things that you just think, I need that, and we'll talk more about that. What you do there is you refuse and run. With the enemy himself, he tends to attack with just simple thoughts. And what you do there is you resist and replace. Now, honestly, guys, to resist when you need to be running is not bravery. It's stupid. Okay? So what you want to understand is there's situations in which you just need to stand and resist. And there's other situations in which you need to get out of there and run. A wise person will begin to figure out which one is which. Because otherwise, you know, it doesn't go well. So let's begin to look at these. Okay, what do you do? How do you begin to do this? The world, the world really seeks to subtly pressure you. Um, we have any Invisalign people here? You guys know what Invisalign is? Okay, you know what that is? Yeah, that's for all those people that go, man, I don't like braces. I don't want people to walk around. No, you can walk around with plastic in your mouth. Now I tell you, you can just walk around with this Invisalign thing. They'll stick it in. Nobody knows it's in there. They just think your teeth have grown a little bit and they don't really notice. But what that's happening is they are just slowly changing your teeth. And your teeth are suddenly conformed and look different. Now, with Invisalign, it looks good. Like, they don't ever put that in your mouth when your teeth are straight and say, we're going to really mess them up. Uh, you know, and slowly but surely, we will get you looking like a horror movie. You know, they, they're not doing that, you know. But that is exactly what the world does. It's like Invisalign for your soul. And what you find is, is just very subtly, very slowly, pressuring you into its mold. Now, the reason the world is so powerful in its ability to mold us, we're already headed that way anyway. In fact, what you begin to see is that the world gives us what we already want. Because ever since the fall, what we've really thought is this. Real life and what I'm really looking for out of life is found right here. Now, we keep getting disappointed and we think, okay, it wasn't there, but it's over here. Okay, well, that wasn't really good, but it must be over here. Well, you know, when I graduate, that's when it'll be. Well, you know, when I get married, that's when, when I get this different job. That, and we keep looking and we keep trying to find life here. The problem is it's not here. But see, we're really drawn to that. So the world is strong in its work on our lives because we have a natural draw to that already. And we don't realize how comfortable we are with the world. In fact, if you ask most people, they kind of think, I'm really basically a good person that's kind of been affected by my environment. You know, and sometimes I'm kind of tempted to do wrong. But, you know, I'm not really like, I'm not like a bad person or anything. What you really find, though, is true is that until you actually were rescued by God in what we looked at earlier, when you were dead, until you got rescued by God, you were actually part of the problem. In fact, wrong and the world was just room temperature for you. But now, those that have come into a relationship with him, what you find is now you are tempted to go back into that. You're tempted to slide right. Why? Because it feels so much like home. It feels like, well, this is what I've known my whole life. I mean, it couldn't feel better. And what Paul says in the Phillips translation of Romans 12, 2, he says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Now, 
We talked a little bit earlier about that's kind of a subtle thing. They do that through different ways. One of, one of the big ways is media. What media will do is this. They'll introduce an idea, usually like into a sitcom. And if they can get you laughing at it, before long you're kind of laughing. Then you're kind of just like, oh, well, it's just how it is. And then before long, you're very accepting of it. And that's, I mean, they're, they're geniuses in the way that they go up producing that. And people are like, you think there's like this conspiracy thing that's going on amongst all the networks? No. Networks aren't that smart. But amongst the enemy, where, you know, he is orchestrating the way of things in the world? Oh, you betcha. You betcha. And that just tends to be headed that way. That tends to be what you'll see so often. Or in systems, what you'll find in many systems, just systems the way the world is, it's making it look like if over and over, like if you go to different things or you look in the ways the world, it's this picture of the material world is where you're really going to find life, and it is the main stage, and you are the main actor. And everybody goes, yeah, I'm the star of life. Yeah. you." Then you begin to find it, yeah, that's really not true. That's just so not true. So what do you do? Well, Paul speaks about that in this very passage. He says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. The very first thing Paul says, he says, I urge you to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. It's just where we started several weeks back. The very start of our lives is when we surrender our lives to him. That's when you begin to get started. But then he says, and do not be conformed to this world. Do not be. See, what Paul understood clearly is something that we get fogged on sometimes. What he understood is this, you know, to not pursue transformation in your life is to continue to be conformed. There's like two options. Conform or transform. There's not like a third option. So if you're not actively pursuing transformation in your life, what you are doing is you're settling into being conformed into the image the world wants you to be, into its mold. So then he says, be transformed. And actually, this is a word metamorphi, where we get our word metamorphosis from. You know, it means to really be changed from the inside out. What you find out about this is the word here is in something called the passive voice. In other words, it is something that is done to you. It's not something you, you know, it's not that you don't have a role in it, but it's something that's done to you. God is the one who ultimately changes you. He's the one who really makes the difference. In fact, if I were to kind of give you a picture of this, uh, I was talking with Diego um, the other day, and he and I were chatting some about some of this. And, you know, the best picture I could come up in my mind would be something like this. If all of a sudden I told you, okay, you need to walk from here to um, the village. Now, there's a little bit of a problem in that there are mines all over the place, planted under the ground. And so here's the deal. Enjoy. Have fun. How do you think you'd do? Not do well. I mean, some of you would make it as far as the door. Uh, others, you know, would kind of sit here and say, I didn't want to go to the village anyway. Uh, you know, <laughs> others would be kind of sitting around, you know, you just, you wouldn't do too well. But 
if I said, now I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to have a little earwig in, and as you're going along, you're going to hear a voice. I'm going to tell you, all right? Take a step to the right. Take three steps forward. Take a step to the left. Nope, not two steps. Oh, sorry, you're gone. Uh, you know, I want, no, just I would direct you all the way through. Now, let me ask you this. When you made it over to the village, and you would make it over to the village, when you made it over to the village, who's responsible for you being there, me or you? The answer is yes, both. Because you know what? If I don't tell you, you're going to get blown up on the way. But if you don't take the steps that are before you, you're not going to end up at the village. What you find, it's that same way in transformation in our lives. A lot of times people have this idea, well, if God's the one doing it, then I have nothing to do. Thank you for playing. That is not true. Or they have the idea, it all depends on me. Why, you know what? Everything. No. You have to do the things God tells you to do, but guess what? It's him that does the changing in the process of you doing that. But you've got to cooperate with him. And if you're not in the process of transformation, you will be in the process of conformity. So you've got to decide. You've got to begin to work at that. Then he says, by the renewing of your mind. Now this right here, you know, our minds, by just our nature, are minds like the world. That's the way we tend to have a bent towards. What we need to do is we need to renew our minds to where home for us, you know, room temperature for us is living under the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. Where that is just normal for us. Where we look at that and we think, ah, this is comfortable. Now, in order to do that, what you begin to see is this. Some things have to happen in our lives. Like you've got to begin to get into the word of God where you Find out what does he have to say. You've got to begin to actually memorize some of it. You've got to walk with others in community where, you know, you're encouraging them and helping them and they're doing the same with you. You've got to look for ways. How can you be serving in some ways? How can you be helping others? How can you do those things? And what you find is in the process of you doing all of those things, your mind really begins to be changed and you, you really begin to grow and stuff. And you find that, you know, as you do that, you learn so much, and you begin then to rehearse truths. Like, one of the truths might be something like this. You know, the best freedom is found in really following Jesus. And you think, eh, that rule and reign thing, honestly, that doesn't sound like freedom. I mean, it sounds like restrictions. But what you also find is this. See, we think freedom means no restrictions. No, 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 no. Freedom means you choose the right restrictions. Freedom doesn't mean no restrictions. It means you choose the right ones. If I go into an aquarium and I grab a fish and I toss it out and go, you're free. <laughs> Have I helped him? Why not? <laughs> He's free, right? I mean, he can do anything he wants now, like flop, die. Uh, you know, I mean, just, you know, he can, he can do anything. What you find is we, we do that same thing with ourselves a lot of times. We go, ah, finally, I'm free. You know, and the truck hits us. And we're like, not quite as free as I thought, you know? I mean, what you find is no, 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 no. You choose the right restrictions in your life, and when you choose the right restrictions, then you begin to experience freedom like you've never felt. 
you know, then is when it really sinks in for you. So learning to do that. The battle with the world, you win that. Renewing and rehearsing. You renew your mind, you rehearse the truth. You renew your mind, you rehearse the truth. Then the flesh. The flesh tends to attack us with lust, desires that are really, you know, out of control for us. When, when you think of lust, when you think of, okay, what does that mean? Lust is where your thoughts and imaginations, you take something that doesn't belong to you. You take things that don't belong to you. Now, Paul, when Paul's writing people and he's telling them, here's how you uh, learn to walk with God, here's some things you do. One of the things he does, he, he, he mentions different lusts in like, you know, four or five different places. And, you know, he talks about different things. But in one that we want to look at tonight, in 2 Timothy 2.22, he says this. Now flee youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. The word flee there, it's a word that just means to run away, to, to escape from. And he says, flee youthful lust. Now, a lot of times when we think of that, we think, oh, what Paul is talking about here is he, he's just talking about sexual things, and that's really where Paul's headed. That's part of it, but what you find is that's not the major part of it and what Paul's trying to identify. What he's saying is here, he's talking about things that tend to be more prevalent among those that are young. And so he's talking about things like, you know, definitive opinions, conceit, dogmatism, um, people that want to show you everything they know. Now, sometimes people don't grow out of this, and that's why you've probably met some people that are older, and you're thinking, they're acting like they're, yeah, your age. Uh, you know, I mean, why? Well, because, you know, they've never grown out of those things. Now, I mean, not that you guys would ever experience anything like that where, you know, you've ever been dogmatic or that you've ever had an opinion that you just, you know, were fighting with other guys about over something, you know, as, as you know, wholly important as basketball or uh, who should be coaching our team or, or anything. No, no, you don't have any of that. Uh, but, you know, other people do that, that are young. And so what you find is he's talking about, no, 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 no. You need to be delivered from these. In fact, if you look on, you think, why is that? Well, it destroys relationships. It destroys all kinds of things. I mean, it will mess you up. In verse 23, he says, refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. So the deal with lust of the flesh, you refuse and you run. You refuse and you run. You refuse the things that are wrong and you run. So the clue that Paul gives in you know, what to run from is what he tells you to run to. And if you look right there, he says, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. In fact, the word pursue, it's, it's a word it means with every bit of fervency that's in you, you take off after something. So with every bit of you running from one thing, you need to be running towards something else. You need to be moving towards that. And he tells us four things to move to. First one, he says, righteousness. Righteousness. He's, now, the word there, it, it's a word, it means your manner of life, okay? It's the manner of life, your whole thing. It encompasses the way you think. It encompasses the way you act. It encompasses the way you speak. So he says, you know, these thought patterns that take you away, you need to run from those. He says, you know, the the um, temptations that you find when, you know, you encounter these temptations in life, in physical life. He said, you know what? You need to physically run from those. He says, when you find yourself in conversations that you're thinking, this is a conversation I really shouldn't be in. He said, you need to run from those. You need to get away from those. 
And what do you run to? He says, you run to the manner of life that God has laid out for you, which is very, very different than each one of those, and it's, it's, it's much more fulfilling. Then with faith, faith, what he's talking about there is just simple trust and confidence in God. So we run to the priorities, the relationships, and the disciplines that really help us to grow in a life of faith. You run to those things. Then he talks about love. He says, pursue love. Now, most of you may think, well, you know, I don't really need to pursue love. I'm a very loving person. No, 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 no. By nature, we're very selfish people. If you don't believe that, get married. And what you'll find is, yes, I know. I found out I got married. I thought, what in the world? She is so, no, I didn't think. I thought, <laughs> no, no, no. That's why I've been married 40 years, because I know better than that. No, um, what I found out was I was a very selfish person. I mean, honestly, I would think, you know, I would wonder sometimes, why does she do things wrongly? And what I meant by that was not like I would do them. Why? Because I was the center of my universe. And what you begin to find is this. We do that a lot of times. We have this idea, you know, well, I'm very... No, you really need to pursue love. In fact, the word there, it's a word that means to put the interest of others above your own. So you need to pursue that. You do that by running towards meeting practical needs and running from thinking life's all about you because it's not. Then he says, lastly, run towards peace. You know, harmony with God and with others is not something that just happens. You have to really move towards that. So you run from demanding your way towards deferring to others, and you run from gossip towards reconciliation, and you run from holding on to hurts to really forgiving. So you run from some things, and you run towards other things. So battling the flesh, you refuse, and you run. And then lastly, the enemy. Now, he often attacks just through simple thoughts. Simple thoughts. Uh, they don't seem bad in and of themselves, but it ends up where, it's, where it takes you a lot of times. You know, some of those simple thoughts we've covered before when we looked at, you know, uh, a series here a couple of years ago. We look at thoughts like, this is just too hard. Or, I'm the only one that has to do this. Or, you know, others like, uh, it's just not fair. It's just not fair. Or, I'm too tired. Or probably my all-time favorite, that's just not what I wanted. We all have thoughts like that. Oftentimes, you know, what you'll find is the enemy will just put a thought into your mind and then let you run with it. So something like this, you walk into the cafeteria and you look and you think, hmm, why are they all eating together at that table and I didn't even know about it? They must not have wanted to include me. That's why. Well, it's okay if they don't want to be my friend. I don't want to be their friend. There's other people I can relate to as well. And all of a sudden, you find yourself going down a path that actually, you know, didn't have any truth at all. It was one simple thought. But if you look at the thought, what you find is, it begins to lead to untrue thoughts, which begin to lead to untrue feelings, which then, you know, get you all messed up and twisted up. When the reality was they came by your room and, you know, you were in the shower and you didn't even notice that, you know. But I mean, what you find is not true at all. But he'll place thoughts in your mind. Now, this is especially true, like if you watch guys and gals interact. Girls are different. See, like when a girl says something like, you say, what do you think of this? And a girl says, Oh, 
I think A and B. Now, inside, she's thinking, and C, D, E, F, G. And so, you know, girls, you know, that's how they are. Now, guys, a guy walks up, and the girl says, what do you think about this? He goes, A, B. She goes, how dare you? <laughs> and he's thinking, what happened? Because he's thinking, I just said A, B. And she's thinking, I know you meant C, D, E, F, G. And he's like, no. And see, the thing that you don't find with a guy is, he's pretty simple. What he says is probably what he means, because he doesn't get much more than A and B. You know what I mean? It's kind of like A, B. That's kind of it. You know, that's all I was thinking. And so you really don't want to allow thoughts that you have sometimes to be transferred over to others, because you find that, yeah, they're just not that true. So what do you do with this? The answer is found in Ephesians 6. Paul says, therefore... Take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Learn to resist the wrong thoughts. Learn to replace them with truth. Resist the wrong thoughts. Replace them with truth. Now, you're only going to be able to do that if you're actually getting into the word of God and beginning to find out what the truth is. What does it really have to say? So let me give you a, a real practical example of how you would see this lived out. I would say in a group like this, there's probably several of you that, you know, you have something from the past you regret. You know, for some of you, it's this, you know, well, it was this time over here at this party, or it was this night, or it was, well, it was this, you know, this week over here, or it was, it was this summer that was over here, you know. You've got something that you look at and you think, oh, yeah, I, uh, I wish I could undo that. But the problem is this. Every time now that you begin to move towards having a walk with God, what you find is this. The videos begin to replay in your mind. And you think, huh. And you start having thoughts like, Remember that? Yeah. You knew what you were doing. You knew better than that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you really think God wants to be close to you, and you're like, ah. And some of you, that is exactly where you stopped right there, time and time and time again. Now, see, what you need to do is to recognize that and you come into this, and instead of allowing that to happen, what, what you do is you begin to resist those and replace them with truth. And so let me give you, like, that same story. Here you are. You begin to move closer into your walk with God. All of a sudden, the tapes begin to play. But instead, see, you've also been reading because you've been renewing your mind. You've been actually spending some time in the Word of God, and you've been reading, and you came across a verse over in Colossians. And in Colossians, he says this, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood between us and condemned us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Now, let me ask you this. How many sins did he forgive? All. 
You know, you know what that actually says in the Greek, though? All. All. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, all. Now, does that mean all up until that time, or does that mean all? All. all. See, so every time you begin to move closer to God, and all of a sudden the enemy goes, hey, 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 what are you doing? Do you really think he wants? You can say, <clears throat> you were probably unaware of this verse because I don't think you have a quiet time, but let me take you over here and, uh, you know, and you kind of point out, you know, here in Colossians 2, and you kind of lay the verse out, and guess what? He'll just go next door and mess with them. Why? Because they haven't thought about that, and they probably haven't been in Colossians 2. And so he can just have a heyday in their life. But when you begin to do that, what you find is as you resist him and replace it with truth over and over and over and over and over, God begins to transform your life. He really begins to deliver you from the very wiles of the enemy there. So quick synopsis again. You deal with the world renewing and rehearsing, renewing your mind, rehearsing the truth. You deal with the flesh by refusing and running. Refusing lust and running from and running towards the things of God. You deal with the enemy by resisting and replacing. Resisting the lies, replacing them with truth. What you'll find is knowing the enemies and understanding how they attack and understanding what you can do and then doing it, what that actually does is that gives you an opportunity to begin to experience life at SC as it is in heaven. You can begin to really have a difference in your life. So let me pray for us, and I'll invite the band back up. Then come and sing to us. Father, thank you for the way that you have delivered us. Father, there was absolutely no way that we had any hope. In fact, we were surrounded. But uh, you, in your grace and in your kindness, have chosen to deliver us, and we are very, very grateful. Father, help us to live lives in such a way that it really honors you, and it really um, allows us to experience the very life that you've given us. And we pray those things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.